Embrace the tranquility of Ocean Isle Beach. As the crowds ebb away, the true essence of this coastal haven comes alive. Stroll along the quiet shoreline, collect seashells with loved ones, and savor the calm that only the off-season can bring. Discover cozy cafes, enjoy unhurried walks, and relish the beauty of nature's canvas. Ocean Isle Beach, where serenity and connection flourish. Your stay awaits at OceanIsleStyle.com. Guten Tag, little woman fans. Today's comment shout-out goes to a fellow fan. This is a quote from the blogger Love for Moving Pictures. Quote, Nowadays, any kind of racism towards someone's nationality should not exist. How is making fun of someone's German accent any different than making fun of someone who is, for example, in the autism spectrum, since in both cases, person has no control over it? It seems that Gerwig uses all the possible excuses, trying to convince the audience that Friedrich is not the right man for Joe, but that Laurie is a better option. A decent director or someone who wants to adapt a story should be able to separate themselves from the feelings of the characters. Perhaps Gerwig hates Germans and German accents, but she should have allowed Joe to have a different opinion, since her character has existed over a hundred years. And that Gerwig says that she is respecting Olgut by leaving Joe a spinster or even suggests that Joe wants to be with Laurie goes against that she makes fun of those qualities in a person that Louisa May Alcott herself was attracted to. End quote. My friend, little woman fan, Jimena, who I have also quoted on this podcast, she read the novel after she had seen the 2019 film and she was really amazed she was expecting Friedrich to be this terrible person because that's the image that Greta Gerwig had portrayed about him when she was promoting her film. Then Jimena read the book and she was surprised that Friedrich was actually this kind and caring man who was very supportive of Joe's writing. And then she was very shocked about the way Laurie was treating Joe in the novel and Greta Gerwig had said nothing about it. Earlier in this podcast, we did an episode about Laurie being half Italian and having brown skin and what it meant in the 19th century America. It's only fair that we discuss about Friedrich's character as well and the fact that he comes from Germany. And same way as Laurie has never been played by a brown skin actor in a major adaptation, Friedrich has never been played by a German actor. And today we are discussing this with little woman blogger Christina Scott. I used to study German in school, and when I was 17, I was in exchange in Berlin, of all cities. And I remember that before I left, I had reread the Little Woman series. And I was so inspired by the part where Joe was learning German. It was my first time traveling alone abroad, and I was like, if Joe, who is one of my heroes, can manage to study German, I can sure manage to live abroad and speak German. That Joe wanted to study another language gave me confidence. Then some years later, when I went back to read Little Woman again, I actually realized that the reason why Joe wanted to study German in the first place was because she was crushing on Friedrich. And then I just had to think that maybe somewhere in the back of her mind she was unconsciously thinking that she wants him to be part of her life because why else would she bother? One of the scenes I remember very vividly is the one when Friedrich comes to court show and Joe suggests that they perform a German song together. And just the fact that Joe knows what his favorite song is, it shows not only how much she loves him, 
but how much he has respect for his culture. I was really surprised that when I started to do research on Friedrich's character, I would come across some highly respected Alcott schoolers, maybe not so respected after this episode comes out, who would have lots of hostility of Friedrich being German and having a German accent. It was such a huge contrast to all the other studies that I found that handled Louisa May Alcott's admiration and love for the German culture and literature. There are lots of Alcott schoolers from the English-speaking areas who take Louisa May Alcott's love for Germany very seriously, but those studies were a lot more closer to the truth Then, even just as recently as 2019, film tour, Greta Gerwig was saying how much he was horrified that Joe would marry an old German guy who speaks with a terrible German accent. And I'm like, first of all, he's 39 years old. Gerwig herself is about the same age. So why you are calling him old? And one of the first things that Joe says about Friedrich in the novel is that she found his accent very attractive and even calls it musical. I would not call myself as a Germanophile same way as Louisa May Alcott was, but I think my fondness for German culture and history actually might have started from Friedrich's character because I was always very fond of him, even as a child. If I think about the way American media portrays Germans, it is mostly rather negative. In Europe, relating to other cultures tends to be a lot more neutral because it is a lot more easier to travel between countries. And there is over 50 countries in Europe, so there is a lot more exposure. And in most countries, you study at least two or three languages in school. Here in Finland, we tend to take our free education system for granted. But by the time when I was 13, that I could say something in three different languages, in English, German and Swedish, in my case. That's actually really impressive. Germany is a country, they have worked a great deal with their past. And in Germany, at least in Berlin, it's illegal to make any references to Nazis or things of that sort. And Hitler wasn't even born in Germany, he was born in Austria. And he actually had difficulties to get a German nationality because he had such a long criminal record. I just saw a documentary about this. So to me, when a schooler or a filmmaker uses Friedrich's Germaniness against them, it shows how little they know or care about Louisa May Alcott because her favorite books came from Germany. And if I quote Christian Doyle's essay on this topic, when a large part of Americans discriminated German immigrants in the beginning of the 19th century, in Joe's and Friedrich's marriage, Louisa May Alcott took her favorite elements from the German culture and combined that into the American culture, promoting her ideas of a transnational family. This is Small Umbrella in the Rain, Little Woman Podcast, Where is the German Friedrich Bear? Okay, one of the things I wanted to ask about you, because we have this goal that we want a German actor to play Professor Bear at some point. <laughs> I have read quite many stories from German readers and people who are German descendants who love Friedrich's character. And mm-hmm. because he represents such a wonderful uh, a German character, and I'm a German, I did mm-hmm. study a bit, bit of German in school, but uh, I've been doing this research on our own Louisa May Alcott's obsession with Germany, and it's every single page. How do you feel about that? Why, why Hollywood doesn't hire great German actors to yeah, I know. It's 
I don't know if it's just, if it was like almost at first like an accessibility. Um, I mean, it sort of started in like the, in its making of like the late 1910s, early 1920s. Talkies were very new in the 30s. I don't know if this is like very true, but this is like what I can imagine is that maybe at first when they were doing it, they one didn't have a lot of German actors. I mean, they could barely get regular actors who were pulling them from like the stage and trying to teach them how to perform on camera. But I almost want to think that they probably didn't get German actresses because during that time there was the rise in Nazis and they're like, eh. And I feel like that sort of stereotype has gone forward because for anyone that does not know, I am of a German descent. My, my grandmother on my dad's side came over from Germany and she was like in, like in her early 20s or so when she came over. The story was that she, and this was, I think, just proof that not every German is horrible. Like, you know, every time someone associates Germany, they go Nazis. And it's like, no, but they lived in East Berlin. And comparatively, East Berlin was worse than, you know, West Berlin. Like West people were trying to get into West Berlin. Mm. And she and her family had to be smuggled into West Berlin because her father, who would be my grandfather, great-grandfather, was the postmaster general and he was smuggling like information between the Nazis and the Russians to the allies and they were like okay well we gotta get you to the west to protect you like my whole life and it's very difficult like I'm I'm German on my dad's side among a few other things but and on my mom's side uh it's Italian Armenian I feel like whenever you ask someone like if you say like you know Oh, I'm Italian. Like people kind of be more or more like, you know, oh, so you wanted a meatball, then the pasta. Like they do a little bit more of like funny, like stereotyping. It's like, oh yeah, haha. And you talk with your hands, and it's like, yeah, like. But like as soon as you say like, oh, I'm like part German, they go like, were your family like Nazis? Like they just immediately go to like Nazis or like someone bad. And most of the time, I feel like when you see Germans portrayed in media, they are Nazis or the villain slash a sort of cold, unapproachable person, or I will try to say it the nicest way possible, but like weird fetish person that may be borderline illegal, like that kind of weirdo. And it's like, why? Why all the time that? So it really was rough to find characters I felt were very pro-German that were just so nice or normal or just gave a positive image to Germany and I was like really the only person I can think of is Friedrich like he is a very genuinely good person he is smart he is respectful and it's such a shame because the things that I've read about Germany I'm like wow like you guys are great like there's a movie that Germany did that is like from like I want to say like the 1910s with Conrad White that is way before anyone's time being pro-gay like pro-lgbt like that's incredible and that Mm. he also did another movie where it was like pro-abortion it's a woman's choice if she wants to have a kid or not and there's nothing psychologically wrong with that like that is incredibly progressive unfortunately the country has been so overshadowed by what the Nazis have done. And it's like, not every German person was a Nazi and they, not everyone agreed with it. So over the years, I felt 
a little bit more protective of my German side because I feel like I'm, I lean towards being more German traded. But yeah, Friedrich for me was, first of all, he's like almost like my dream man. Like I want someone like him. And if it turns out that he's German, like why not? And it just bothers me that now, now that we have a lot more accessibility to actors from all around the world, why there isn't more German actors playing the part. And in some cases, I'd have allowed to sort of be forgiven, what, like William Shatner and, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. Stanley. No, the BBC version one. Where, Stanley. Yes. Yes. Like, I can forgive those because even though they are like American slash British, they are still putting like a German accent. We're not totally forgetting that, they, that the character is meant to be German. Whereas the Gerwig version, you have a French man playing a German character with a very German name. It's not even like you try to change it to sort of be like, all right, we'll try to fit his nationality a little bit more. But like, I'm hearing a French accent saying that he's Friedrich Bear. <laughs> very German name. It's so confusing. And yeah, like I, it just boggles my mind that like, on one hand, her statement of being like, and this can go into a whole can of worms of when she was like, well, you know, why not give Joe a handsome man to fall for? And I'm, because I'm tired of seeing these attractive girls fall for these not so attractive guys. And it's like, on one hand, you're right in some cases, but like, that's not the point here. Because one, again, you didn't read the book. Joe is not supposed to be conventionally attractive and neither is Friedrich. She's not giving me a good enough reason not to right. hire a German actor. Yeah. Right. And... <laughs> If you could see me, my hands are just moving all over the place in frustration. But like, how am I allowed to swear? <laughs> yeah. How in the hell do you sit there and go, I need to find an attractive German actor. Hmm, they don't exist. But Daniel Bruhl is right there. <laughs> He's been right there for so many years. How do you not see him? I just, I can't believe it. And there are other great German actors. He's like the first one that comes to mind. Like, how? How? I Like, that is the thing that boggles me the most. As, as someone pointed out, they're like, well, as much as I do want him to be Friedrich, I, and knowing how the Gerwig story comes out, I would not have wanted him in that one. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's fair, because that would have been a total disservice to him and the character. You need um, a long series with Daniel Brühl as Professor Bear. M- movie with sequels. Yeah, I'll take whether it's uh, time period canon or like modern day, like, because I am just one of those people that I like to sort of daydream and just sort of like, hmm, what would I do if I was ever given the chance to make my own version? I have it like all planned out and he would definitely be one of its actors. And and in my version, it would be like a mini series and set in the modern day, but like pretty much the section with him it would be just all like joe and Friedrich. it would be like practically nothing else <laughs> i think it's a shame i think it's a shame that you know in general hollywood doesn't do much with foreign actors because there's so many wonderful mm-hmm. foreign actors and so underutilizing them i feel you know i get it some people would be like well what would a german be doing in america at this time or like how could you make me believe this? And I'm like, well, that's the magic of movies. You can suspend your disbelief for a little bit, or the writers can be a little bit smarter and 
make it work. But yeah, it's it's such a shame. And and some movies I sit there, I'm like, oh, this actor's going to be in it. Like, I remember them from this movie. And it's like, oh, they're only in it for like five minutes. That's, hmm. That's a shame. They sit there and say like, America is supposed to be like the land of of everybody that immigrants can come over. And it's like, mm, seems very fully uh, just Americans. Like, why can't there be a German living in New York City? What's wrong with, with that? Like, I know quite a few British actors are living in like LA, like Ben Barnes and Dan Stevens. Like, they've made a home in America. And We made USAA insurance to help you save. Take advantage of discounts when you cover your home and your ride. Discover how we're helping members save at USAA.com slash bundle. Restrictions apply. A few other actors in other places. It would work. It makes it would make sense. There's not it's not totally crazy. I had gotten into the alienist with Daniel Bruhl, obviously. And it makes sense, like, you know, if someone was like, Well, how could they be? born in America, but still have an accent. Well, his character is raised in a home where it was his parents are German Hungarian, and he was raised with being taught German. And if that was pretty much what you spoke for most of the time, you would grow to have that sort of accent. So I I think there are ways to utilize foreign actors in American media. I just don't think that they're smart enough how to use it outside of German, Nazi, Italian, Mafia. Like, let's let's be a little bit smarter and better about that, you know? Yeah, there are so many stereotypes about different European nationalities that are so outdated and old-fashioned. It's really a shame. Like, if I think about Finnish character in, in a Hollywood <laughs> film, they just hire us to be Vikings. The time that I lived in Germany many years ago, I do remember thinking that Germans are very family-oriented and very welcoming. And I always connected that Felix character. She traveled in Germany and she was a full-heart Germanophile. This really horrified her because she loved Germany. Yeah. <laughs> and you get stuff like Emily in Paris where you're not honoring French culture. You're making fun of it. It's so disrespectful. It's yeah, I hope that somebody out there is going to listen our rants and we are getting more sophisticated versions of Little Woman, hopefully with Daniel Brühl or other great German actors. I think between him and Amy, they are the most poorly interpretive characters in media because I feel like that they are the most hated. All the time I see people say like, oh, how could Amy do that? That was so awful, like the thinking of the burning of the manuscript. Mm. And it's like, well, for one thing, and again, I blame this on most of the media, you have like a 20-something-year-old actress playing the part of what should be like a 12-year-old. So it comes across more mean-spirited, mm. especially with the Gerwig version, like when she's like very calmly just like, well, what was I supposed to do? I didn't have anything else that would have made you upset. And it's like, I'm sorry, but that's, too sophisticated of an answer for a 12 year old to say and again coming from the mouth of a 20 something year old i can't believe it yeah it's just that's it's poorly interpreted again when you have versions that try to be more joe and laurie oriented and yet add friedrich in they almost feel like well he's they're trying to just make it he's stealing joe away or amy stole laurie away i don't think most people know that 
the book when it was first published came out in two separate parts. There wasn't going to be a second part, but it was supposed to end when Meg gets married. But, but people always seem like, you know, oh, well, they made her have Joe be married. They made, the like, the publishers made her do it. And, Which is actually not true. Right. Some fans may have written to Alcott saying, like, can't Joe marry Laurie? And, but there was no pressure from to get Joe in general married. And I love that Alcott was like, I will not marry Joe to Laurie to please anybody. And it's like, yeah, you go, girl. And they act like as if Friedrich was a last-minute addition. Right. Like, again, I think because people don't know it's publishing history that they think, oh, it was just one book. And then the publishers were like, well, you need to have Joe marry off someone. And she was like, all right, I guess this guy. Like, no. And again, I feel like it's a disservice to Alcott to say that she just threw Joe with this guy. And it's like, no, she didn't just throw Joe to this guy. Like, it's not like he appeared in the last 10 pages. It's like, oh, yeah, in love and marry. Like, no, she develops a good and full-on relationship between these two characters. And it grows to become love in which is how the novel ends. But, but yeah, it's amazing, like, how people just kind of hear that. And, again, I, I think it's because they see something on the internet that someone writes an article that says, oh, what a shame that Joe couldn't be the independent writer like Alcott originally wanted. And it's like, that's not the full picture. And people just kind of latch on to that. You got to kind of dig a little deeper or at least have someone that is willing to go a little bit deeper, such as you and myself, that will put it out there for everyone to be like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, now that makes sense. When people say stuff like that, I'm like, you really don't seem to have not only respect for the characters, but not for its author either. I actually think it has a lot to do with what you said earlier about Joe's loneliness or that she feels that she's going to be weaker when she wants romance or love or family for herself. She's afraid of going to make her look weaker in the eyes of others. Um, this mm-hmm. actually mentioned in Little Woman. In the Under the Umbrella chapter, the narrator says that she was afraid that she's going to lose her reputation if she reveals to the world that she is like the other girls, that she wants to have a family and marriage, and she wants to fall in love. But I've studied Louise's life. She was incredibly lonely, especially after Henry died. And then she had this fling with Larry Wisniewski, who was one of the real-life lorries. That didn't turn out very well. But then she could not tell that to the public. She was afraid people were going to see her weaker. She was always really annoyed when people pitied her because she was a spinster. That has a lot to do with the way the story in Little Woman goes because she wrote Joseph and Friedrich's relationship to be a wish fulfillment. And I always say this in this podcast because I think that's very true when you read her diaries. And she writes how lonely she is and how she envies her sister's marriages. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually was quite nasty for, for Louisa to say that her publisher forced her to marry Joe because Louisa and her publisher, Thomas Niles, were very good friends and he never asked her to marry her characters. And he didn't give her instructions about the characters. So it was actually Louisa trying to protect her own reputation. And I, I do definitely agree with you in that idea of a wish fulfillment. And, you know, they always say, like, it's better to be alone rather to be with someone and feel lonely. Mm-hmm. So I can see why she would be like, don't pity me because I'm a spencer. I'd rather be alone than be with someone that would make me feel lonely. 
but yeah, like I said, it's a wish fulfillment. And I think it takes a, a whole other level of understanding Jill and Friedrich's relationship when you know that. Not until hearing and seeing your work did I kind of realize like, oh, there was like a real life Friedrich. And like, oh my goodness, there is, you know, an age gap that is the same as Alcott and Thoreau and Joe and Friedrich. And so much of the description of Friedrich is based off of Thoreau. Like I, I never knew those things, but like now that like, I know I'm like, wow, that it really is. Like you said, like it was her way of being with someone that she wants to be with. And I think for most writers, I, I personally feel this way. Like some of the things I write, I'm just like, I wish I could do those things or I wish I could meet someone like that or be that type of person. So it's really not surprising when I hear that for someone like Alcott, who has sort of been told by people that she is not conventionally attractive. It's really what does her fans actually said that to her face that, oh, you're, you're not as pretty as Joe. And if you truly believe that she is 100% the Arthur avatar, it's like, well, that's supposed to be the same, but, it's funny that like back then people said that Alcott is not attractive and I look and I like, will look at her picture and I'm like, oh, I think she was very attractive. And, and I think people don't understand that when they think of things like, I think it was in a podcast you said like when talking about the, the actress that plays Joe in the modern day version of the 2018 one, they're like, she's not very pretty to be with Friedrich. And it's like, well, one, I think that actress is, is attractive, but also like, <laughs> You're missing the point. They said the same to Catherine Hepburn that she was yeah. too boyish, and too Jewish boyish, right? Like I think people don't fully understand that, and it's also dependent on the time period because someone made parallels to Joe and Lizzie Bennet. You know, they always say that Lizzie's not attractive. Like it, we were, I remember when I got my mom to watch the Colin Firth version of Pride and Prejudice. And we were listening how, like, you know, people were saying, like, Mrs. Bennett is like, oh, Jane is the prettiest of my daughters. And my mom was like, I think Lizzie's quite pretty. I'm like, yeah, but you got to remember that back then, the typical norm of what is pretty is to be fair-skinned, fair-haired, blue eyes, fair on the lighter tone of things where, rather than the sort of darker hair, darker eyed, or even darker skin. I think that people don't kind of understand what we would think is attractive now was not attractive back then, regardless whether they really are not attractive or not. But it's amazing how some fans will be like, they're too pretty to play this part. And then others will be like, well, they're not pretty enough for this. And and it's like, can't the point yeah. of the story be that it's meant to be these two people who have a good chemistry together make it work? Because one of my teachers when I was in college, I want to say it was Cleopatra and Anthony that she had seen the play. It was something of that kind. And she was like, I couldn't believe it because the actors were not attractive at all. And I was like, does that matter? <laughs> like, that was probably one of those moments where like, I was slowly realizing I was demisexual. I was like, what does that matter when it's like, should be what the chemistry between two people are. But yeah, it's amazing how people are so focused on what is physically attractive that somehow equals to romantic attraction versus being like how two people connect that leads to a romantic attraction. Yeah, well, that's the Laurie fans. Oh, well, many of them. That's not really a reason to be with somebody. So you just want, want, want to hook up. 
but right. Joe doesn't want to hook up with him. And in my post, it was the one I made years ago of why Joe shouldn't be with Lori. I made a mention of like how almost hypocritical it is that people say these things about Joe and Friedrich, but there's a lot of parallels between the situations, not fully, but like when you look on it on the outside of Jane Eyre and Mr. Rochester, like people make comments of, the age gap is not right, or they're not attractive. How could they fall in love? But it's like, well, there's an age gap between Jane and Mr. Rochester. And in the novel, neither one of them are seen to be conventionally attractive. Many of those same people will go, oh, I love Joe. I love Jane and Rochester. They were so romantic. And it's like, uh, pot, meat, kettle, <laughs> you know? It's amazing how people will pick and choose what they want to like and what they won't like. When I was doing the research on Henry David Thoreau, and I came to this part where it was mentioned that Henry didn't like traditional women or that he kind of had re- resentment for overly feminine women, I was like, damn, Louisa would have been perfect for him. I mean, there is the speculation that they had an affair, and I I don't know if that's true, but he would have been perfect for him, at least in that sense, because, you know, she wasn't traditional, and she kind of also rejected some parts of femininity. Search on Henry, Henry and Louise, and I was so happy (laughs) when I find out all the real-life radics and the real-life lorries, because it made me feel so validated. Because yeah. a little woman made a lot more sense when I found out uh, about it, especially the story about Laddie. Because, you know, I think one of the reasons why I always liked to hang out with him was because she, it's almost like she always wanted to have somebody there that she could take care of. Was it mm-hmm. then her sister or when she worked in the war as a nurse? And then there was Laddie and she took care of him because he had tuberculosis. You can see that Louisa always had this very maternal side that she liked to take care of people. That was our chat today. Christina and I will continue our discussion next week. This episode was sponsored by Skillshare, so you can get a one free month and access thousands of creative courses. You can even learn to speak German or some other language in Skillshare. The link is in the description. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and make good choices. Bye! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.